Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. As the baskets um, pass, um, I don't know where to start to talk about this preacher that's coming to the stage this morning. Um, He holds a very special place in my heart. He is my mentor, um, my father in the ministry, father in the faith, um, and part of the reason, a big part of the reason I get to stand on this stage today is because of this man's investment in my life. Um, Back in 2010, when my wife and I, we were going through a hard time on Campus Crusade for for, uh, for (laughs) Campus Crusade staff, raising support, we had just had our second miscarriage. If I get it choked up, y'all gonna have to bear with me, okay? Um, And we went to Memphis, and I remember driving down, my wife cried the whole way because she was just sad we lost our baby. And we went in there um, to Memphis, and we were loved on by the staff. And I remember after the service, Pastor Brian LaRoche, he took us out to eat. He had never met me before. P.F. Chang's was sitting there. Yeah, it was, you know, it's Memphis, and we, that was his spot after service. So we went to eat, and um, he just started asking us how we're doing. And it was a genuine, it's not how you're doing. You know, when people ask you how you're doing, you don't really want to tell them. Like, I'm good. We sat there until we actually told them how we were doing. We're struggling. We're here, and this is where we are. I'm a preacher, this young person with pastoral aspirations and um, he at that moment he said look you can move down next month and you can live with us didn't know me y'all I'm from Gary (laughs) he said you can move in the house with us you can live with us and we'll help you get on your feet and then we want you to pastor here we'll pay for your seminary We'll put you through school and you go plant that church in Chicago. Because I told him I wanted to plant a multi-ethnic gospel-centered disciple-making church in Chicago. And he said, come on and live with us. And we lived there for five months. And I will tell you, it was the most um, fulfilling time, flourishing, life-giving time that we needed as a family. My wife and my oldest daughter at the time, we moved into his house. First week, I went to, I think, L.A. with him, Los Angeles. And I'd never been to the West Coast, y'all. So I'm like, let's go, kid in the candy store. We had a good old time. And so not only has he brought me under his wing, taught me more about pastoral ministry and preaching, but he's also shown me places, made connections with other people, helped me network. And And I tell you, the reason I get to stand on this stage and we get to call Renewal Home in Chicago is a big part in this man's investment in my life. So won't you with me, just welcome to the stage, my father in the ministry, Brian LaRidge. And so, Father, we thank you for every life that has been changed here, for every soul that has been saved here. We thank you, Father, for every marriage that has been strengthened here, every life that has been redirected. And we thank you, Lord God, for the gift of Derek and Kaylee Puckett and for their strong, courageous faith to step out and to sacrifice to lay it down. 
And today, no, we don't idolize them, but today we honor them. We honor them for their faithfulness. God, your word says we've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. And what you are doing here today, Lord God, is simply amazing. Now, Lord Jesus, would you speak a word of encouragement through me to your people? Would the seed of your word fall on good ground? May people leave encouraged, challenged, and clear on what it is you've called them as individuals and this church as a body to be about in this great city. Do it for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, good morning, Renewal. It is a joy to see you all today. Now, y'all gonna have to talk to me, all right? Y'all gonna have to, y'all gonna have to talk. Makes me preach faster because I know you're getting it. You don't say nothing. We'll be here all day. Uh, no, not really. My flight leaves at 3:21. So, uh, but what a joy it is to be here with you all. It it really does my heart good uh, to be here. I'd rather be here right now than um, a 10,000-person church or whatever. But to see the fruit of what God's doing here, and then to look at the faces. This is a picture of heaven. Uh, this is what heaven's going to be about, and uh, I, I give you honor and glory. Yes, I, I do remember uh, Derek and Kaylee, their family, staying with us. The thing I remember about it is uh, Kaylee, who's, you know, this, she's, you know, she's, she's kind of got this together thing, um, and she lost it one day because uh, she found a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> in her bedroom. Uh, so we got on that real quick and uh, um, real quick. Um, so, but what a joy it is to be here with you. I, I want to encourage you. Um, a lot of pastors and their wives suffer from a vitamin E deficiency. And what I mean by that is um, a lack of encouragement. And I just want to encourage you to encourage them. Um, if God puts it on your heart, say something. If he doesn't put it on your heart, say something. Uh, encourage them in a big, big way. Now, some of y'all came up in traditions like I did where we did pastor's anniversaries and uh, it was just a lot of crazy stuff that turned into idolatry. I'm seeing some chocolate heads nodding out there, all right? <laughs> Um, and so y'all are here because you're trying to get as far away from that as absolutely possible. All right. We ain't going to do no shoe offering and ushers ain't going to lock the doors. No, no, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. <laughs> uh, but I, my fear is we've swung the pendulum way to the other extreme. And um, God wants us to honor our leaders and so I want to really encourage you to do that. And don't just do that with Pastor Derek. Also do it with his wife. Um, Lord have mercy. Uh, for her to hold it down with five kids. I hope y'all's quiver is full. Um, and then with all that God is doing through Pastor Derek, don't forget about his wife. Um, really go and encourage her. If you have your Bibles, please meet me uh, in Hosea chapter 3. Hosea chapter 3. I want to read the whole chapter to you. Calm down, it's just five verses. <laughs> but Hosea chapter 3, as I was praying about our time together today, 
and what God would have me to say to you all on this great occasion of five years. Um, I, um, uh, I, I felt led to share with you from Hosea chapter three. Just curious, who's been here since day one? Anybody? Wow, a few hands, okay, okay. Uh, Hosea chapter three, pick me up in verse one of Hosea chapter three. Bless you. Hosea writes, and the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is, not used to be, is, not was, is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. Make note of the detail of verse two. Hosea says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. I want to talk to you this morning about God's mandate on your life and on this church. It is the mandate of love. Jesus was huddled in a little upper room overlooking the Kidron Valley on the eve of his betrayal and death. And in this upper room with his disciples, he says this, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, not by the arguments you have on Facebook, not by the deep theological truths you can articulate. Not by your position papers on our friends in the gay community, but by this will all people know you are my disciples. It's by your love. Writing to the Ephesians, Paul says this, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be, be filled with the Spirit. Paul, as you know, is writing in Greek. And the Greek word for filled, it's the Greek word pleroma. It means to be filled to overflowing. Um, I love this. It was used of not just pregnant women in general, Kaylee, but it was used of pregnant women in their third trimester. I'm talking show enough pregnant, y'all. I'm talking overflowing with baby. I'm talking so pregnant you can't get comfortable at night or tie your shoes. I'm talking so obviously pre pregnant that even though you just met her for the first time, step to her in courageous confidence and ask her when the babies do pregnant. <laughs> That's the word Paul uses for being filled with the Spirit. It is as if he's saying, I want you to be third trimestered with the Spirit. So that even when someone who does not call themselves Christian or hasn't read the Bible, when they encounter you for the first time, they, there's this innate sense that there's something different about you, that your life is under different management, that, that you have a divine sense about you. 
What does life in the Spirit look like? Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I love it. The leadoff batter to the list is love. Some of you all at your wedding, you had that great love chapter read where Paul says, now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. An unloving Christian is an oxymoron. It is a contradiction in terms. Renewal Church, on the occasion of your fifth anniversary, may you not just be known for your preaching. May you not ultimately be known for your vision. May you not ultimately be known for your worship. And that's off the chain. Hey, look, if Derek don't treat y'all right, come call me. <laughs> but may you be known by your love. I'm thinking now of that great homiletics professor, Robert Smith Jr. of Beeson Divinity School there in Alabama. I love what he says. He says, every New Testament point has an Old Testament picture. So I want to explore the question now, what does love look like? What does it really mean to love somebody? Hosea 3 is the seminal picture in the Old Testament of what love looks like. If you really want to know what it means to walk in love with your mother-in-law, with that roommate, with your spouse, that friend, with your enemy, Hosea 3 is the answer. When we come to the book of Hosea, God is peering over the balcony of heaven. And God does not like what he sees. He calls Hosea, his prophet, in for a closed-door meeting. And I can picture God scratching his head saying, Hosea, I've got a problem. My problem, Hosea, is I have stepped into covenant with Israel. And my bride, Israel, keeps on cheating on me by, his words, whoring after other gods. You know that all, all sin is spiritual adultery. All sin is us compromising our vows with God in which we say, God, you are not enough. I'm going to, I'm going to circumvent your sufficiency and get my needs met independent of you. All sin is spiritual adultery. And yet God says, my problem is not that she's cheating, but that I have stepped into, watch it now, not contract, but covenant. When you got saved, God did not take out a contract with you. Contracts are performance-oriented. Contracts, to quote a phrase in the news a lot these days, are quid pro quo. Contracts are, you do your part, I do my part, and if I like your performance, I'll continue the relationship. But when you got saved, God didn't step into contract with you. He stepped into covenant. The Hebrew idea of covenant is hesed. It is, it is, it is, it is a kind of relationship 
that never quits, that never gives up, never gives out, never gives in. So God is saying, in essence, Hosea, my problem is not that my people are cheating on me and giving me reasons to divorce them. My problem is, even though they're giving me reasons to divorce them, in my holiness, I refuse to give up on them. So Hosea, I, I, I want to use you as my divine show and tell for my mercy. I want to show them that I've got more mercy than they've got mess. That there is no statute of limitations on my love and grace for them. I can see Hosea now go, okay, God, what, what are you thinking? You, you want me to preach a sermon? Ah, that'll come later. Okay, God, you want me to write a book? That'll come later. Hosea, I, I know you just graduated from seminary and, um, and, and you just are getting installed as the pastor at this church. And, and I know you're single, Hosea. I'm going to fix that. I, I, I got a wife picked out for you. If I'm Hosea, I'm excited now. Really, God. Well, well what's her name? Her name is Gomer. Now, at this point, I ain't excited anymore because I ain't never met a cute Gomer in my life. <laughs> Sorry if that's your name. Um, Sorry, your mama did that to you. Um, okay, God, what, what does she do? Chapter one, she's a prostitute. Now I'm really not smiling if I'm Hosea. I'm gonna back away and say, wait a minute, God. I can just picture it now, our installation service, walking down the center of the aisle, church is packed, and everybody's scratching their heads looking at the prophet with the prostitute. Looking at the man of God with the woman of the night. N no, God, that's too strange. And God says, that's exactly the point. For if you think a prophet with a prostitute is strange, I can do you one better. The fact that I, a holy God, would stoop so low as to be with you is an even stranger sight. What does it look like to love? What makes love pop? It's when you get folks together who society says shouldn't be together, doing life with one another even though they don't vote the same, look the same, act the same, or think the same. Strange. My youngest son is a baller. Around our house, we call him RP, retirement plan. <laughs> and I'm saving all these receipts, y'all. I'm, I'm, saving, I'm saving all these receipts. He, um, we lived in New York City, made a couple all-city teams, and uh, then we moved to the Bay, and he gets picked up by one of the best AAU teams out there, and our first tournament in the Bay, we, we leave our house there in San Jose, drive up North 280 to San Francisco, uh, and my son is the two guard. And we sit down at the tournament next to the point guard's family. Point guard has... Two moms, a lesbian couple. 
And they're doing what couples do, holding hands and public displays of affection. And it was kind of strange for me. My wife and I get to know them, that tournament. We hang out, enjoy each other, exchange numbers at the end. Then we get back into our little car and drive down south on the 280 from San Francisco to San Jose. And on the way back to our house, my wife and I turn to each other and we say in so many words, what if God's calling us not to change them? Because I can't even change myself. What if God is calling us to love them? So we invite them over to the house. And it's strange. I grew up in, in Atlanta, down south, 70s and 80s. Let's just say Atlanta today ain't what it was. But that's a whole another sermon for a whole another time. And they're just hanging in my house, and we're enjoying good food and good dinner, good drink, and they're over the house all the time that fall season, and the whole time I'm saying to myself, please don't ask me what I do for a living. <laughs> and all that fall season, they don't. We're just kicking it. They're an atheist, lesbian couple, and little do they know, they're parking their feet under a pastor's table. Strange. Spring season starts and they're over the house again. We're having a good time and finally it happens, y'all. One of them says to me, hey, Brian, we've been hanging out for a while. You've never told us, what do you do for a living? I says, well, I'm a pastor. I tell people how to find true meaning, value, and significance in life through God's only son, Jesus. She gets up from the table, grabs her purse, heads for the door, mutters under her breath, I didn't see that coming. And I'm thinking to myself, y'all call us judgmental? <laughs> but as a pastor, you can't say everything you're thinking. So I cracked some jokes, de-escalated the situation. They come back to the table. Next couple weeks, we stitch up the relationship. And then about a month later, they called me and said, hey, Brian, you know, we've been hanging out for a while. And our son is like 13, 14 years of age now. And it's just obvious He's not really responding to us. He needs a man's voice in his life. You know, we've been living uh, far away from you, but our lease just ran, ran uh, up. So we, we've leased a house around the corner from you because we think you need to be the man pouring into our son's life. And I'm thinking, I wish you would have asked me that before you got out that lease and On the same phone call, she says to me, and, 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 you know, because we're moving to this new house, we want you to come and bless our home. I said, bless us and pray to God? She says, yeah, come on over, do your thing. <laughs> so after church, man, we, we book it over there, and uh, from the eye test, uh, it's me, my youngest, and, and my wife. From the eye test, we're the only heterosexual people in the joint. It's packed. And God bless my youngest son, he can't whisper for nothing. <laughs> we over there, he goes, are you uncomfortable? <laughs> In his own way, he's saying this is strange. 
whole time we're over there, they're, they're taking pictures of me and my wife, and we have a good time. I bless the house and pray over everything, especially their bedroom. I just pray over it all. And, <laughs> and then the next day, I'm, I'm at the office, and, and my wife sends me a text. She says, honey, they done tagged us on Facebook. <laughs> a couple hours later, one of the sweet 80-something-year-old mothers at our church calls me. First words out of her mouth, pastor, I was on Facebook. I don't know about you, when an 80-something-year-old tells you she was on Facebook, her words, not mine. Is my pastor, her words, not mine, partying with homosexuals? Because the Jesus I know. Now, if God said, Brian, you can cut out one verse in the scripture, just one. Here's the one I would cut out. Do not rebuke an older person. Because I know a whole lot of older folk who need to be rebuked. I said, Mother, you might want to read up on Jesus some more. Because the Jesus I know hung out in some strange environments with some strange folk. How strange are your relationships? How strange are your relationships? Some of y'all go, hey, look, Sunday morning, I'm here. This is strange enough for me. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Here's my concern for you. A lot of multi-ethnic churches are like the NBA All-Star game where you get Different players from different teams who show up to the event, but when the event's over, they go back to their own teams. So I like dropping Renewal Church because that gives me street cred. But I ain't talking about the school. I'm saying, what does your table look like tomorrow night? How strange is your dinner table? You want to wow the world with love? Have strange relationships. So it's the end of spring season and um, the end of a game, my wife and I go up to this, these friends of ours, this lesbian couple, and we say, to them, look, 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 it's crazy. We're about to go on vacation. This year we're going to take the whole family to New York. Then we're going to go to a Christian camp just outside of Atlanta and spend a week there. I'll send you the link to the camp. We'd love to take your son. We'll pay for everything. We know that's a big ask, taking them thousands of miles away from home. So if you need to think about it, you do that. And they said without hesitating, don't need to think about it, take him. <laughs> so we take him and have a great time in New York, eat good food, hang out, see some shows. Then we take him to camp. On the last night of camp, he said, Mr. Loritz, can you show me how to become a follower of Jesus? Yeah. What got that boy on the plane to hear the gospel was love. They said of Jesus, when I saw him, he was a man full of, I love the order, grace, and truth. Folk won't hear truth until they feel grace. Yeah. 
We get back from the trip and I knew it was coming. His mama called me a couple weeks later. I don't know what happened on that trip. But since my boy's been back, he's been carrying around a big Bible telling me I need Jesus. She says, it's interesting, my wife and I have felt like something's missing. And we'd love to come to your church. But before we do, we got to ask you a question. Is your church safe for us? Because Christians have hurt us. I said, now I might just be the pastor for 24 more hours. But in those 24 more hours, it is. And if you ever come to our church a couple times a month, you'll see a strange sight. A lesbian couple on the front row sitting next to the pastor and his wife. Strange. I don't know when it happened, but by the time we come to chapter 3, it happened. By the, by the time we come to chapter 3 of the book of Hosea, things are not going well with Hosea and Gomer. We know that because right out the gates, you don't need to spend a week in seminary to figure this out. Right out the gates, God says, go again. In other words, I need you to go get her, which means they're separated. And you don't need to know Hebrew to know why they're separated. They're separated because... She's an adulteress. She's cheated. Now, if I'm Hosea, I'm going to be like, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. Didn't really like her anyway. She wasn't that cute. She cheated on me. I'm out. I got biblical grounds, deuces. God says, now wait a minute, Jose, remember this relationship, this marriage is not about this marriage, but your marriage is to tell the truth about how I relate to you. And if every time you did something, I wiped my hands clean of you, you wouldn't have made it out the first day. So I need you to do to her what I do to you every day. Go again and go again and go again and go again and go again. You are here today because God went again with you. I love it. Verse two. Don't miss it. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver. Don't miss it. If you get nothing else, I say get this. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer, and a lethic of barley. My God. In modern parlance, what's happening to Gomer is she's being sex trafficked. She's being exploited. She's literally on the auction block. The going rate to emancipate a woman in that day who was being sex trafficked was 30 shekels. Commentators tell us the question of verse 2 is, if the going rate is 30 shekels, why didn't home, uh, go, uh, uh, Hosea say, so I bought her for 30 shekels? 
Why does he say, I bought her for 15 shekels and a homer and a lethic of barley? Answer, he didn't have 30 shekels. Here he is, she cheated on him. And here he is, rummaging, I can see him now, looking under his bed, rummaging in between his sofa, trying to come up with the money. The best he can come up with, with is 15 shekels. He goes to the auctioneer and says, 15 shekels is all I've got. Auctioner says, let me check with my supervisor. Supervisor says, not enough. Well, what if I add a homer and a lethic of barley? Let me check with my supervisor. Okay, we'll take it. Watch it. To emancipate the one who cheated on him cost him everything he had. What does it mean to love somebody? If you ain't paying a price, you ain't loving Isn't that our problem, though? We want Nordstrom quality community <laughs> at thrift store prices. That's some of y'all. Ooh, I love renewal. I just love renewal. But you ain't serving. You ain't paying a price. You're consuming. When it comes to this church, you have a cruise ship mentality. Cruise ships is all about you. So I can complain about the food, I can complain about the service, because on a cruise ship, it's all about me. That's how some of y'all are with relationships. It's all about me. And then you wonder, when life gets a little tight, why nobody called you, nobody came visit you. Well, you tend to get out of people what you put into them. <laughs> to be a part of this church, a multi-ethnic church, means you have to pay a cost. Some of y'all, some of y'all are in here just thinking, I've never seen a worship song with basically eight words that can go on for 20 minutes. <laughs> That's my people. That's my people. That's what we do. You know what I'm saying? This is what we do. We just stretch it out. We just stretch it out. You know what I'm saying? Um, there's, a, there's a cost to that. There's a cost to that. So you literally being here, Worshiping, And I tell people all the time, uh, in a multi-ethnic church, no one should leave every Sunday saying they sang every song that I liked the way that I liked it. Amen. There's a cost here. African-Americans, we, we pay that cost too. Our very, the very fact that we're here and not at, you know, the traditional black church. Why are you over there? And is that a cult? And there's a cost that we pay here. And even some of the worship songs, you know. You know some of the worship songs black folk didn't write. <laughs> Oceans. <laughs> Keisha did not write Oceans. She just got her hair done. She ain't getting in nobody's ocean. Don't you understand what multi-ethnic churches scream is? There's no ethnic home team here. It's all about Jesus. 
And so corporate worship is an opportunity not for consumption, but it's an opportunity for love. Let's go home on this one. If I were to end here, we would make love look like this spineless thing where we're just doormats. It's strange, it's costly, but now look at verse three. After he sets her free, he says, you must not play the whore. He sets the standard. You know what we call love without standards? We call that tolerance. Tolerance is a spineless ethic. I tolerate you. Thanks. Tolerance says you do you. That's not love. He says, look, I'm ready to step back into this thing with you. But if this relationship's going to work, we got to have a standard. And so some of y'all, when I was telling my story about this lesbian couple friend of mine, y'all's inner Pharisee has been freaking out. Say it's wrong. Say it's wrong. I just need to hear you say it's wrong. Say it's wrong. Say it's wrong. Say it's wrong. So when she comes to me and she says, hey, we're celebrating our five-year anniversary. We'd love for you to do the vow renewal. I said, you know I love you, right? And man, I'm squeamish. And I'm hemming and hawing. I said, am I allowed to think differently than you without being called a bigot? I can't do it. And I explained why. And I love her response. She goes, oh, I figured you couldn't do it. I just thought of that. <laughs> And we've had some tough conversations. The one wife is African-American and she's wanting to run for state uh, Senate and she wants to put a sign in my yard. And I'm saying, okay, tell me, what do you believe? Well, I believe in women's reproductive health. I says, as it relates to abortion. She says, yeah. I says, I'm not even gonna bring Jesus into this. As a black person, you shouldn't even believe in this. Why? You ever heard of a woman named Margaret Sanger? Her strategy was to get rid of black folk. There's a standard. Derek, I want to charge you. Don't give up on the standard. Some folk will leave you, but that's okay. Preach it in season and out of season. When they feel like hearing it, when they don't feel like hearing it. Let me go home on this one. Watch the order. He doesn't give the standard before he sets her free. Had he given the standard before he emancipated her, he would have put her obedience in the category of obligation. But he sets her free and then gives the standard so that her obedience is in the category of delight and not duty. 
Don't you understand? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. God doesn't come to Egypt when they're in bondage and Israel says, look, I've written these 10 things and I put these 10 commandments down. If you do it well, I'll open up the Red Sea. That's not what he does, but he opens up the Red Sea first, frees them, and then gives them the 10 commandments. Why? So that their obedience will be in the category I want to for a God who emancipated and set me free. Or hear Romans 2, 4. It is God's kindness that leads to our repentance. It is not our repentance that leads to God's kindness. This is the gospel. So don't you see, I've been preaching this thing completely wrong. This text isn't so much about how we treat others, secondary application. But you will never love this way until you first see yourself as Gomer. I'm Gomer. Toe up from the flow up. I'm Gomer. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I'm Gomer. I'm the adulterer. I'm the one, the one who's addicted. I'm the one that's needed, uh, needed grace. I'm Gomer. And when you lose touch with your inner Gomer, you will become judgmental and condemning and you will be racist and you will look down on people and you will be self-righteous. But when you have the humility to say, I was headed for an eternity in hell and God snatched me out of the pit and every day he goes again with me, I'm going to walk with others. I'm going to love others. I'm going to do to them what God in Christ has done for me. So if you have the arrogance to say, I don't want our friends in the gay community here, you don't understand the gospel, friends. All of us have a struggle. Their struggle may not be your struggle. And my struggle may not be theirs. But we've all got something that we need God's grace daily for. So, Father, I bless you. On the occasion of this five-year anniversary, I speak a spirit of love over this place today. Not tolerance, but love. May it come with a strange anointing that when people walk into this church for the first time, like I did today, they just kind of take in the scene and, and are wowed. Not so much by the acumen of the leadership or the great preaching and teaching that's going forth, but by the love of people who are doing life with one another. I pray a costliness to our love. I pray against the spirit of consumerism. I pray, Lord God, a kind of love that is, is willing, as Paul says in Philippians 2, to look not only to my own interests, but also to the interests of others. So may we lay it down 
serve and sing, even in ways that make us feel uncomfortable. Because you've called us to take up our cross and follow you. And the last time I checked, a cross is uncomfortable. Then I pray over this pastor, I pray over this leadership that we would never compromise the truth of Scripture. That we'd say it with grace, we'd say it with pastoral affection, but we are even willing to lose people because we give people what they need. And what they need is the timeless standard of the Word of God. So, Lord God, I thank you for the words of Jesus. When he said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.